I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Working Conversations. This week, we are talking about something that has been a pain point for so many people recently. It's the idea that email is broken. Email feels badly broken. And today I'm going to give you the secret to fixing email. In fact, I'm going to give you three secrets to fixing email for three different types of situations. And if you stick around to the end of today's podcast, I'm going to throw in a bonus secret that is going to up your communication game at work and help email not be a bane of your existence. All right, so with each of these, I just want to tell you, these each come from stories I keep hearing over and over and over from my clients. So to tee up each one of these three secrets, I'm going to start with the story and tell you how the pain point of email was hitting the client and how they told it to me. So one client recently told me about her frustration with emails from one of her colleagues, and she described it to me something like this. Janelle, when this particular colleague emails me, she starts off with this, hi, how are you doing? How have you been lately? And then she goes into three paragraphs of how am I? How's my family? She maybe remembers something we talked about in a previous conversation or some information we'd exchanged related to family or something outside of work. She follows up on that. Then she inquires how that last project I was working on finished up before she finally gets around to asking me for the quarterly data for the TPS reports that she needs to turn in early next week because she's taking Friday off. And my client said, Janelle, why does this bug me so much? It drives me crazy. So to answer her question, why this drives her crazy, we need to take a broader look at the context. So for the last year, we have been largely in this work from home setting, and we have not been stopping by for the quick question to a colleague like we used to do when we were co-located. We would so often swing by somebody's desk and we might give them a quick good morning, but mostly we would cut right to the chase and say, hey, I need to ask you a quick question. Now, we aren't doing that swing by or drive by somebody's desk to ask the quick question. So we're sending emails for everything. Or maybe your organization is one of those that's been trying to move things out of email so that people don't get so bogged down in their inbox. So perhaps you've moved to Microsoft Teams and are using the channels or maybe you're using Slack channels or some other text-based tool that takes it out of email. So again, so that your email inbox doesn't get so bogged down. But let me tell you, even if you're in Teams or Slack channels or any of those, it's still the same. You're exchanging messages that are text only. So email or whatever form of text messaging you're using 
is taking over and many people are doing it poorly, like the colleague of my client. So let's take a look at it. Let's take a little bit deeper look at what's happening here. So first off, in the workplace, when we are connecting with our colleagues, when we're communicating about our day-to-day work, as the day goes on and through each of our interactions, we are doing both task-based communication and relational-based communication. So the task-based communication is all about getting the work done. And the relational portion of communication is all about keeping the relationship strong, relationship building and relationship maintenance. Now, clearly, relational communication is important to the person who is sending these lengthy emails to my client. When we were doing relational communication back in the workplace, when we were co-located, we were asking each other, you know, how was your son's recent basketball game, your mother's hip surgery, Uh, you know, what did you cook for dinner last night? And we were having this informal chit chat, again, that keeps the relationship strong, but by and large didn't really get, in most cases, didn't really get in the way of getting the work done, but was a supplement. Now, of course, task communication to relational communication is really a continuum, and each one of us falls somewhere differently on that continuum. Some of us like to just get right to the point, and other people like much more relational communication. They like more of that small talk. And many times we blend the two. So we might say something to a colleague like, hey, let's walk over and grab a cup of coffee while we hash through the pros and cons of the two proposals that are on the table with different vendors. And in asking to go get a coffee, that's more of a relational piece. And then talking about the work while doing that walk and talk over to the cafeteria or the coffee shop or wherever you're going to get your coffee is a nice blend of the two because you're getting the task done while you're having that more relational piece of having coffee. Now, again, because by and large, we're either working from home or we are working our best at social distancing for those who are in office settings right now, that we're not going to grab a cup of coffee with a colleague nearly as often as we were before. And Neither are we doing much of that small talk that we were doing before. Now, email itself is not built for small talk. Email is transactional. It is asynchronous. I send to you, you respond back whenever you have the time to do so. And it is largely transactional. Now, that goes for work email. In your personal life, you may be doing the equivalent of sending letters back and forth, but you're using email to family and friends and so forth. But for the most part in the workplace, we we use email in a very transactional way. In fact, think about this. Many of us refer to processing email. We process transactions. Machines process transactions. We're not doing relationship building in email. If we were doing relationship building in email, we wouldn't call it processing. And we don't typically stop by to say good morning to somebody in email. We may use some of those other things like the Slack channels and the Microsoft Teams discussions and channels and so forth to do those good mornings and the stop by and say hi. But we don't usually just send somebody an email to say good morning. Again, that demonstrates the transactionality of email. Now, we do run a risk in this work from home environment of our communication overwhelmingly becoming transactional when we rely so heavily on email or Slack channels or Microsoft Teams discussions or channels. So we really need to take that into account. 
And we need to, as we think specifically about email, and as we think about uh, my client's colleague who was driving her crazy with these long-winded emails that had nothing to do with the task at hand until the very end of the email. So she was feeling like she had to wade through paragraphs of small talk before she got to what the actual request was. So to mitigate against that, here are a few tips. The first is limit your small talk in emails. Keep it just to the greetings and salutations. So a nice good morning or maybe a one-liner about the weather if there's something particularly exceptional about the weather. It's a really beautiful day and it hasn't been for a while or there are obvious signs of spring or something like that, but just very short and sweet. And then if you do want to have small talk, move that small talk into a richer medium, a richer medium where we can hear tone of voice and ideally see each other, even if that's to see each other on screen, is going to give us far more social cues. And those social cues are really going to help for relationship building and relationship maintenance. So that's step number two or idea number two here is move it to a richer medium when you want to have that small talk. And, you know, again, also keep your audience in mind. Some of your colleagues want more small talk and that relationship building and maintenance is far more important to them than others. Others just want to know what the task is, want, they want the question straight up, and uh, and they'll take it from there. So do pick up the phone or hop into a video chat for those relationship building moments. Even a quick instant message or direct message in Teams or Slack or whatever platform your organization is using can go a long way towards building the relationship and it keeps that out of email because our expectation for what email is, is largely transactional. So let's keep our email transactional. Again, we can add the greetings and salutations at the beginning and the end of the message, but let's not bury our request to somebody after three paragraphs of small talk. Okay, so that is the first thing that's wrong with email and your secret for how to fix it is don't have small talk in your email. Keep it transactional. But again, recognize that there is a risk of our communication at work becoming far too transactional. So that means we do need to pick up the phone or hop into a video chat with our colleagues so that we can keep those relationships strong. Because when those relationships are strong, it is so much easier to drop a quick email into our colleague's inbox with an ask for a special favor or if they can get something to us sooner or whatever it is we need. All right, let's go on to the second big issue and the second related secret to fixing email. And I will also share uh, this story. And again, I've heard this one a couple of times, but this most recent version of it came to me from a person who was in a training class that I was teaching on strategic communication. And whenever I teach this class on strategic communication, I always ask the participants at the very beginning of the class, why are you here? What drew you to this class? And the reason I always ask that question for my strategic communication class is that people's answers are all over the board. Sometimes people have a specific person that they need to deal with. Sometimes it's customer issues. Sometimes it's managing up and communicating with their boss better. Sometimes it is communicating with their constituents or a broader base of customers. 
So people are really all over the place. And so I like to bring in bonus content to make sure that they got at least part of what they came for in the event that what they were hoping to get out of the class is outside of of my traditional curriculum there. So in this particular case, the person did want something that was a bit out of scope of what that class is about. This person wanted to have better email in her office. And so I asked her in a private chat, I said, well, what does that mean to you, having having better email? And so she gave me far more detail. She said, I need my team to stop the rambling. Their emails go on forever. Paragraphs of context that isn't really necessary before getting to an ask. And it just really bugs me when I think about how much time it took them to write all of that background material before they got to a very simple ask or a very simple tell if they needed me to do something or if they're asking me for some information. It just drives me crazy that they took like 15 minutes to write all this background information that isn't necessary. So how can I get them to stop writing all that background information and just get right to the point? Now, this situation is a little bit different than the one I was just talking about. In our first scenario, that information that was coming before the ask or before the tell in the email was more personal and small talk in nature. Now, in this particular case, what was bothering this person in the training class was, again, it was a lot of information to wade through. It was relevant to what the ask was, but it wasn't necessary. And as the supervisor or manager of the people who were doing this, it was driving her crazy that they were spending so much time writing up all of this background that really wasn't necessary. And so the source of the problem here is whether you're coming at your email or writing your email from an inductive approach or a deductive approach. So let's tease those two approaches out a little bit. In the particular example that the person in the training class was sharing with me, how the, the, her staff was writing paragraphs of background, they were using a deductive approach. So they were essentially giving the history of the world first. Think of it as an inverted triangle with the wide base at the top and an inverted triangle where they're giving the history of the world first and then finally many paragraphs into it getting to the point. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. Now, what my advice to her and her staff was is to move to an inductive approach and to train her staff to write their emails from an inductive approach where we flip that triangle. So we're going to start at the top, at the point of the triangle, and make our point in our email at the very top of the message, and then give only as much context as is absolutely necessary for that message to hit home, for that request, that ask, that tell, just enough 
for that to land properly. And again, we may need to put some context to it, but not paragraphs and paragraphs. So the point here is really to make your ask or your tell early in the email. Now, remember, when you're writing an email like this, or really any email, this is your priority showing up in the other person's inbox. And be mindful of their time. They are being interrupted, essentially, from their work by your email. So be mindful of their time just as you would in person. I mean, seriously, you would not walk up to a person in the office back when everybody was co-located and spout off three paragraphs of background on the project before asking them where you could find the budget template on a shared drive. That would be insane. You'd just say something like, good morning, Fred, how's it going? Say, I'm working on the Riverdale project and I need to put together a budget. It's not something I typically do, so I don't know where to find the budget template on the shared drive. Can you point me in the right direction? So the email version of something like that might go like this. Good morning, Fred. I'm hoping you can help me. I'm working on the Riverdale project and I need to draft a budget. Where can I find the budget template on the shared drive? Thanks in advance, Janelle. So that was three sentences. And I started that email with the sentence, I'm hoping you can help me. Now, this is a nice blend of relationship communication and task communication. It's teeing up that I'm, that I'm going to ask for something. And it's doing so in a way that nurtures the relationship. Because it's hopeful, so I don't have a flat-out expectation that Fred is going to help me. And I'm asking for help. So this is alerting Fred that I have an ask coming. And because it's framed as help, it is giving Fred an opportunity to contribute to me or to con- contribute to the work I'm doing. And that strengthens the relationship. So again, three sentences. And, and again, just think about how ludicrous it would be if you walked up to somebody in the office, if you were co-located, and spouted off three paragraphs of background information before asking a very simple and straightforward question. Just ask the question. I mean, it's fine to say good morning first. And even to add uh, something like, I'm hoping you can help me. All right, so that is secret number two to fixing email. And that is to write your emails using an inductive approach. You're going to start with the point and add just the amount of context that's necessary. All right, let's move on to our third one. So this came from another class I was teaching. And again, I've heard this a few times, but the person shared this particular annoyance with me. They said, email threads in my group keep going long after the issue that the subject line addressed has been resolved. The content of the message morphs into something totally different and it's so hard to keep track. And often, Uh, the discussion in an email thread will move from a conversation about one client and an issue they're having, that gets all resolved, and then it moves on to another client, and it stays in that same email thread. So it's impossible to retrieve a specific answer about how a situation got resolved with a client later when that's needed. And as she described to me, we're in a highly regulated industry where we have to keep track of all of our decisions about all of our clients and their accounts. Now, my solution to this one is relatively straightforward, but it also needs to be handled with some extra transparency. So first, here's the solution. When you notice this happening, so when you notice that the content 
of the email thread has moved on beyond the subject line. Stop. Copy and paste any new messages or any new information that's not germane to what the subject line was. Start a new thread, a brand new email with the same people on it, and paste that information. And sometimes it could be two or three exchanges of messages by the time you get around to doing it. But start that new thread with an appropriate and searchable subject line. And then add one sentence of explanation of what you're doing that's totally neutral. Something that says, I noticed this conversation moved from the Smith case to the Jones case. So I started a new thread about the Jones case. Note the subject line. Something just super straightforward and neutral. You're not throwing anybody under the bus. You're not blaming anybody. This just happens. Now, before you do that for the very first time, I strongly recommend that you socialize the problem of the email subject lines not matching the content of the email thread with your work team first. And let them know that you're going to be looking looking for uh, this happening. And, you know, and if you are sometimes guilty of it yourself, own that too. Uh, just a nice, humble move. And that way you're alerting the whole team that you will be doing this, and you might ask them to be on the lookout for it as well. So whether it's for regulatory reasons or simply for effective client management and and effective email management, make your case for why you want to start doing it before you start doing it. And don't attempt that conversation by email. Don't send an email saying that you're going to start changing the email subject lines without any additional context. And and don't even try to explain it in an email. It's far too nuanced. So bring this up in a meeting where people are either on the phone or in a video conference meeting. Get that item on the agenda and say, hey, I've noticed in our work team, I'm guilty of it too, that our content of our emails sometimes morphs away from the subject line. And I want our team to take this on and make sure we are keeping the content of the email germane to the subject line. We have regulatory reasons for that. We have client management reasons for that. We have whatever searchability reasons for that, whatever it is. But talk about that with your team because then they're going to hear your goodwill in your tone of voice and your positive intent and all of that. And it is far less likely for you to then sound like the email police as it would be if you sent that by email in the first place to let them know that you were going to start doing that. So bring it up, socialize the problem and your solution to it in person in a synchronous meeting. Well, maybe not in person, but it could be in a a video conference or a conference call, but live in, in a synchronous setting with them so that, again, they can hear your positive intent and your goodwill and all of those things coming through, all of those social cues we've been talking about. All right, so that is your third thing that is wrong with email and how to fix it. So the third secret to email is to make sure that the subject line matches the content that's in the email thread and changing it up if it morphs into something else. All right, so those were our three. Now, I promise that if you stuck around to the end of the podcast, you would get a some bonus content. So our bonus content or your bonus thing that is wrong with email and how to fix it is, and I was hinting at it in this last one, is that 
Email is not a tool to use to communicate about anything that is highly nuanced. Anything that is highly nuanced, anything and everything that is highly nuanced does not belong in email. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. (laughs) There are simply not enough social cues in a text-based medium. And that also goes for a thread on Teams or in Slack or your text messaging. There are not enough social cues. Tone of voice imparts your positive intent. It imparts your goodwill. And if you have an opportunity to be on video chat with a person, making eye contact with them and having them see your facial expression makes all the difference in the world for them to understand the nuances and your intent behind your communication. So pick up the phone, call people and discuss those highly nuanced issues or hop onto a video chat with them in whatever platform that your organization is using even if it's uncomfortable, especially if it's uncomfortable, because odds are if it's an uncomfortable topic that you need to address with them, odds are that it's highly nuanced. And email is a total cop out if you are uncomfortable. Let me say that again. Email is a total cop out if you are uncomfortable with the discussion topic. The discomfort is all about you. It's not about the issue. It's not about the other person. So just get over yourself and have the conversation about the nuanced topic. Keep the focus on the issue at hand, how this will help your customer or how it will help your company stay in compliance or whatever the actual impact of the situation is. Remember, it is not about you. And if you are find your if you find yourself wanting to write an email about something that is highly nuanced, check yourself on that. And there is a good chance you need to Get over yourself and pick up the phone because it is just too sensitive and too delicate, too nuanced to write an email about it and ensure that the other person is going to understand your intent as best as possible. All right, so let's give a quick recap of what is wrong with email and the secret to fixing email. The first thing we talked about is that email and other text-based communication is very transactional. And we are at a risk of things being far too transactional these days. But treat email as such. Treat it as transactional and use other tools and mediums for relationship building and relationship maintenance. The second secret of fixing email is to get to the point early. Again, use that inductive approach where you're starting at the point of the triangle and working your way down to the base, providing only as much context as absolutely necessary. The third thing that's wrong with email and how to fix it is that when the content morphs from the subject line, it is time, my friends, to start a new thread and reset that subject line. And your bonus content, the public service announcement here, do not attempt to handle highly nuanced information or communication through email. It is totally ineffective because there are not enough social cues. Pick up the phone, my friends, or hop into a video chat, something that is going to use the visual and the vocal cues instead of just the verbal. And if you need a refresher on that, head back over to episode number five, where I talk about the three V's of communication, verbal, vocal, and visual. All right, take care, my friends. And as you move through this week, if you find yourself in email way too much and you realize you're doing relationship building or talking about 
uh, highly nuanced things or perhaps giving the history of the world before making your ask. Remember this episode and the techniques we talked about here. And you're probably going to want to pick up the phone or hop into a video chat. All right, take good care and I'll see you back here, same time, same place, next week. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.